essentially, I learned a lot from being on both sides of it, working with different people. And that's why when I decided to open my own firm, I said, I'm going to do things a certain way. We, people need to understand as public adjusters, we are the quarterback. We are the freaking quarterback of this claim. And it's my goal and my passion project here with the commercial claims advocate. And, and multiple claims, you know, that's the other thing. Every client is, is a priority, you know what I mean? So you're, when you have a lot of clients, uh, it, it, that definitely becomes stressful. You don't find many attorneys who actually basically work the grind that I've been working for so long. You know, going out there, getting up on roofs, setting up that ladder, going in there, getting on your hands and knees and going inside that cabinet to to, to take photos of water damage. And that's why the random meetup is, you know, what it is, right? I think everybody needs to make those connections, understand how everybody fits into the role, understand how AOB companies and their documentation does wonders, right? They know what they're doing. A lawsuit should not be filed unless it's absolutely necessary. Um, after couple years people knew that i would come travel to central florida so frequently and they put me on as an appraiser on a lot of files uh kind of took it off from there i said well you have to understand that it is and this is a lesson to anybody listening it is the insurance company's responsibility they have the burden of proof to prove without a shadow of a doubt that that claim is not covered when you provide people solutions right you give them peace of mind comfort you're gaining credibility and you're going to get that job at the end of the day on today's episode of the Claims Game Podcast, we have my good friend and attorney, David Dubay. David Dubay is the owner of The Logical Firm. That's right, The Logical Firm. He is an attorney. He uh, works on, uh, on, on helping public adjusters with their claims and helping policyholders get the money that they need to put their homes back together again. And what I love about David and what we talk about this is he's also a former roofer and a former independent adjuster, and he knows how to do estimates, and he knows the insurance claims process like the back of his hand and he is just one of he's just a fantastic attorney and he's also a sponsor of our next meetup in Orlando so you're going to want to check this guy out he drops dimes in this episode talks about the benefits of roofers and public adjusters working together talks about AOB laws upon just a couple of the things that we discussed so I want you to check it out this claims game podcast is going to be great and if you want to get more information on us, go on commercialclaimsadvocate.com, follow me on social media, hit the subscribe button here. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, uh, I want you to give us a review. That would be great. Five-star review. Leave a comment of your thoughts. And also, if you're looking for a public adjusting firm or a public adjuster, go to EliteResolutionsClaims.com. That is my public adjusting firm. And that is all I got for you. So I want you to stay tuned. I hope you like this episode with my good friend David, David Dubay of The Logical Firm. Check him out. Follow him on social media. Go on his website and call him so you can ask some questions because he knows what he's talking about. So in three, two, one, enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry. Gotta let the music wind down a little bit and then we start. Listen up, advocates. Whether you're a public adjuster, contractor, or an attorney, if you have a client that has suffered any kind of catastrophic loss, whether that be by fire or storm or just any catastrophic loss that requires your client to have to move out and incur ALE and loss of use coverage, you need to think about looking at Black Diamond Services. This is an incredible idea for a service that I think is extremely valuable and I've actually personally used uh, for my clients myself. Basically what they do is they provide all of the necessary money that needed as needed to be done for the homeowner uh, to go and move to another place, whether that be a hotel or another home or whatever it is, they basically bill through their insurance policies loss of use coverage, and basically they provide financial assistance so that the insured never has to incur any out-of-pocket expenses. It's an amazing service. I love the people at Black Diamond Services, especially Millie Varela. If you just contact her and contact Black Diamond Services, 
I'm telling you, they're going to take care of your climate clients like you wouldn't believe. I personally have a client who suffered a fire damage and had to use their ALE coverage, and all we did was refer them to Black Diamond. Our clients did not have to come out of pocket a single penny. Black Diamond prov provided all of the financial um, uh, money, and they provided the actual location for the homeowner to stay. Amazing service. Contact Black Diamond Services today so you could find out more information for yourself. What's up, David? What's going on, Vince? How you doing? How you doing? Are you excited? Definitely. Are you excited for, I'm going to say it, your very first podcast? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Popping my cherry. You don't look very excited. I need some excitement from you. I need some like, let's go. Let's get it. Let's get after it. We cannot let these insurance companies take advantage of people anymore. We cannot let these people run amok. We need to make sure we take control of the situation so that we dominate and we demand what we need to demand and we get what the homeowner and what the building owner deserves. We can't waste any more time letting these people run amok, right? 100%. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do this, bro. So, David. Fire. Spitting fire right now. I'm very happy to have you on the Claims Game podcast. Um, I have known you now for not very long, but I would say at RoofCon when we met, I believe that we hit it off because we are both from the MIA, the 305, the Miami-Dade uh, 305 till I die, born and raised in the county of Dade. What am I missing? Anything? Am I missing anything there? There's that. There's a street sign that people who are watching who are not in Miami. What is it? Like this one? I forgot. You got to throw the five. There you go. There you exactly. go. Now you got it. So what's up, David? Welcome on. David, by the way, is an attorney. Appreciate it. Uh, but you introduce yourself, please. Go ahead, David. Who are you? I, I am an attorney. Uh, I'm niche in property insurance claims. Uh, I'm different than typical attorney. Uh, because I did start in the roofing industry and then became a licensed adjuster. Uh, I've done the door knocking and that whole deal too. So I always kind of had the aspirations of opening my own law firm, even throughout law school and stuff. So uh, that that's basically how, how I got here right now, talking to you. What I would say that makes you unique uh, from any attorney that I've met, and you know that I've been doing this for probably a little bit too long, is that you used to be a roofer, Right. Yes, sir. You were a roofer. To, Go ahead. I used to be a, a roofing sales rep for a master elite certified contractor in Miami. Uh, so with that, uh, you do a lot of inspections. You have to identify damages. Uh, when you suggest repairs, our, our company was big on repairs. That's how you get the replacement. Uh, so you got to know where things are coming from, be able to identify that, right? You know, make your suggestions and then manage the projects. So I definitely learned a lot in the estimating part of it. Uh, what homeowners go through uh, in that struggle and, and the money, right, that goes behind, you know, roofing jobs and the price differences. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, after you did that, then you became, were you a public adjuster or were you a field adjuster, independent adjuster? I was an independent adjuster. Uh, but it's kind of caveat because uh, I, I got involved with a lot of PA firms that shot me a lot of work. They referred me to a lot of attorneys. Uh, so I was able to travel throughout the state and actually uh, do a lot of estimating. Uh, I did a lot of loss consulting. So I, I got invaluable experience in that. Um, after a couple of years, people knew that I would come travel to Central Florida so frequently. And they put me on as an appraiser on a lot of files, uh, kind of took it off from there. See, that's pretty cool because there's not many attorneys. A lot, you find a lot of attorneys that worked on the, that worked on the defense side. Right. They worked on that side. They didn't like it. They decided to get out. But you don't find many attorneys who actually basically work the grind that I've been working for so long. You know, going out there, getting up on roofs, setting up that ladder, going in there, getting on your hands and knees and going inside that cabinet to to, to take photos of water damage. So, you know, the process, you live the process, you know, the photos that need to be taken, how to take those photos. You know how to read an exactimate estimate as good as any of us do and as good as any roofer does. And with your roofing experience, you've got the experience of the materials that are necessary in order to put that roof back together again. So that is pretty cool, man. Yeah, and uh, while being an adjuster, I also decided to get HAG certified. Uh, I didn't end up renewing that because, of course, as an attorney right now, things get a little hectic. Uh, but I did do that as well, certified for a year, uh, provided a lot of, you know, damage reporting and consulting when I did actually put together the estimates as well. Uh, so that was another, you know, little thing that I learned a lot from, to be honest with you. 
Um, and it allows me to look at these files that I'm getting from a lot of the adjusters, right, uh, homeowners, and really see, identify the damages, look at the engineer report and kind of pick apart what's, you know, BS bullshit. and what's not. You can yeah. say bullshit. Is okay, it cool. is it Hag or Hague? I always wonder. You know, you got me on that. I think it's Hag <laughs> certified. Um, so what made you make this leap? First of all, I guess, how long were you doing roofing? I, I'm just curious to know how long were you an adjuster? Mm-hmm. And then what made you make the leap into becoming an attorney? So I actually, when I was about 21 years old, I would say that I worked for the roofing company for almost about a year. Uh, then I got an opportunity to work with a very boutique uh, law firm that was in a very complex business litigation. Uh, so I was able to work through a trial preparation and all that with a gentleman called James D. Wisenan. He was actually the attorney general of Florida at 24 years of age, uh, impeached the senator. So yeah, he's a very uh, serious attorney, uh, crazy credible, helped to restructure the economy in Poland. So I got immense experience from him in terms of uh, how to conduct yourself uh, you know, as a professional and just daily, right? Uh, we weren't allowed to walk in the office. He liked a little brisk, you know what I mean? Because again, your, your time is money, uh, your clients are being billed. So uh, after that, when the trial ended, uh, I had to make more money uh, because of the fact that I was working in, you know, excessive hours. And that's how I was you know, making the money I needed to at that time. I had other obligations. So I went back to working in the roofing company. So altogether, uh, then I worked there for about a year before I was approached by uh, two different adjusters that kind of wanted me to start writing estimates. And then, you know, everything just kind of took off from there. So I was in roofing for about two years. Listen, I'm looking for another estimate writer. You want to write some estimates for me? <laughs> I got, got, I got some guys for you though. Those days are over, huh? No more. Whoa, no way. I'll so, still, if it's a serious litigation inspection, you know what I mean? Depending on what the situation is, I'll definitely show up, strap the Tims on. You know what I mean? Strap and jump up Tims. there. So. So how far did you get into the claims process uh, when you were in roofing sales or when you were um, working as an IA? Were you sort of like sort of what a typical IA is nowadays? And I say nowadays because it wasn't necessarily like that before. But is it was it just basically doing the inspection, putting the report together, submitting it and going on to the next one? I guess what I want eventually my question is. How different is it now working on the plaintiff side? I always forget. It's plaintiff side, right? Yes. Yeah. It, how different is it now, like, seeing the other side, working that side, as, a, as opposed to, you know, working the other side? Like, how far along did you go in that process when you were working as an IA? So I will tell you that I, I worked a lot on the plaintiff side. Uh, and, of course, when you have, uh, when you build a referral base, you have friends. Uh, I did a lot of referring Uh, I worked as a loss consultant on a lot of files. I was always, you know, uh, very heavily involved in a lot of the claims process, especially out here in Central Florida. A lot of attorneys from Miami, uh, I would run the claim for them. I made pretty good money, uh, but I would, you know, help them run the claim uh, in terms of speaking to the homeowners and things. So I know a lot of the struggle in terms of what my public adjusters are going through, right? What their clients' expectations are, what the timelines are, exactly how to meet those qualifications. Uh, you know, because our ins- our law firm is niche in property insurance claims, we do do claims from inception as well when they come along. So uh, we're very versed in that. Um, and one of the most important things is obviously seeing the negotiating side of it. So I was heavily involved in the appraisal process. Uh, so you kind of uh, get a feel for that end of it. Uh, and I would consult the attorneys on these negotiations, right? Where the numbers really were, what we can get to, uh, what the client's expecting, kind of what the going rate, you know, is for that sort of work to be done, stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, you could say that I had seen it from A to Z. Uh, and I also had the opportunity of working with different adjusters um, in terms of how they run their claims, things that they put on their estimate, which is also something I I learned from now, right? And I'm able to give advice to the adjusters that I serve, mitigation companies, because I see how other great companies that I work with do certain things, right? And that's how we all continue to grow. So essentially, I learned a lot from being on both sides of it, working with different people. And that's why when I decided to open my own firm, I said, I'm going to do things a certain way. Uh, I saw certain gaps in communication, 
You know what I mean? In terms of just attorney fees, how all that stuff was structured. So uh, to answer your question, I definitely saw the process from, from A to Z and it's kind of what uh, makes me the type of attorney that I am and how the reason I handle my clients this in a certain way. And what would you say is the difference now, now that you're working as an attorney? What was difference, the process you saw it from A to Z, but now what do you see is the different viewpoint that you have from this side? Uh, you know, not everything makes sense, right? And, uh, you know, it, 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 it essentially comes down to uh, the bottom line uh, with, you know, <laughs> the, the insured, right? And, and what we're all looking to accomplish here, uh, unfortunately, as an attorney, you got to vet your cases. You got to do your due diligence. Uh, when you're referred clients, you know, you have to uh, see if that's something that you're going to take on for yourself. But uh, I can definitely say that I've realized that it comes down to the, to the bottom line. Uh, and I've also learned that, you know, we are on the advantageous side of, of the policy, right? And, you know, it is construed in our favor. Um, a jury of our peers, right? Uh, homeowners. So, uh, I've definitely seen that we can definitely push a little bit on this side uh, that I didn't have that full grasp of prior to becoming an attorney. Well, I will say, what was I going to say? I think you were talking about well, that we have the advantage. A lot of people don't understand that. I was actually explaining to a client today where I was recommending, hey, it's, it's time. We need to go to litigation on this file. And he's like, well, you think we could win? I said, well, you have to understand that it is, and this is a lesson to anybody listening, it is the insurance company's responsibility. They have the burden of proof to prove without a shadow of a doubt that that claim is not covered. And in this claim, for instance, they just keep telling me that the roof is wear and tear, blah, 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 never sent an engineer out, never sent a roofer out, never really did much of anything. So I told them, I said, dude, we're good. This is the route that we have to go to because I've done everything I can on my end. I've responded to every single thing. We provided the POL, we provided the estimate, and they still want to say, no, well, hey, this is the route that we have to go through now. But a lot of people don't know that, yes, the policyholder does have the advantage in an insurance claim because of that burden of proof. And on that point, I think that it's really important that all PAs understand that, understand how to explain their client, understand the environment in litigation, right? Uh, and the more you speak to your attorneys, the more you kind of get a feel, uh, you start to be able to set an expectation for your client. You yourself have an expectation in terms of timeline, right? Depending on what this case is, who the carrier is, right? Even maybe who the OC is, but uh, knowing these things give you a level of confidence to be able to move to litigation when it's the end result, right? When there's nothing else that we can do, no mediation, no uh, appraisal in the situation, right? That's going to work it out. You got to be able to speak with confidence. And the only way to know that is, is no, right? That they have the burden of proof, understand that there needs to be an exclusion, right? To show this is all uh, most policies are all risk policies, right? So all risk. I say that one all the time. Open peril so, policy, dude. So that, that's really what, what it comes down to. And I, I've definitely seen on this end, if you can prove your case, you know, you can uh, cast that doubt. You have the proper documentation reporting. Uh, when it gets deeper in the water, unless, you know, attorneys are being unreasonable, you know, these things shouldn't be going to trial. Uh, you, you know, we should be settling out. And uh, an attorney, if you, you know, you should be vetting your cases, right? And you should be able to tell if this is something you could win, especially when you're, uh, understanding of, of the process, you know? Vetting of cases is something I did not understand until about year two and a half, year three. And the reason is, is it, unfortunately, the first company that I worked for, I didn't really know much about what I was doing, like anybody else starting out. I was just doing what I can. Ultimately, I was kind of a sales guy. I was just going out there, go get claims, go get claims, go get claims. And don't worry, if it doesn't settle, we'll file a lawsuit. Don't worry, if they deny it, we'll file a lawsuit. Don't worry, we'll just go to litigation. Don't worry, we'll just, you know, one of those, right? And then I remember I started working with my good buddy, uh, with my um, with my good uh, um, wholehearty attorney. You, you know David. I think you've met David Farber before. And he starts saying no to some of my cases. And I'm like, what are you doing? What do you mean? Just, I thought all you had to do was just file a lawsuit. Like, and eventually it settles, right? And he used to tell me, no, Vince, that's not how this works. <laughs> if there's no coverage, it's going to be 
an endless battle, a pointless battle that we're eventually we're not really going to get anywhere. Sure, maybe they might want to settle eventually, but the, the, the effort and the time and some of the expenses that go into it are just not worth it. So one advice, uh, advice that I can give public adjusters is it's good to have somebody like you on speed dial where I always love being at a client's house. And if I'm unsure about something, I know I'm the first line of defense. So I want to call the attorney and say, here's the situation. I think we can get it. What do you think? Can you win it if it gets past me? That's all I really want to know. Like, do you have a case if I'm unable to settle it? And that's a big question that sometimes needs to be answered right on the spot before we file the claim. Because I love when insurance companies tell us that we file frivolous claims and all this crap. There's no point in me filing a claim if I don't think I could get coverage. So I'm not going to submit that claim for that client. I'm just going to suggest, hey, this is not covered under your policy. I'm sorry. Don't file it. We're not going to file it. And then you walk away. So I don't know. I said a lot of things there, but I think you get my point. Not every case is a slam. Not every case is a slam dunk. And it's good to have you, someone, someone on speed dial, an attorney that you could go to as a public adjuster or even a contractor and say, what do you think about this one? And in some cases, you can even tell them, hey, look, it's not a slam dunk. I see where we can have uh, some success. But I think this is one that they're going to offer a settlement, but they're not going to give us what they want. Is your client willing to move forward and kind of concede that this could be a little less than what they expected? Uh, I think that, you know, opposing counsel put a little bit of money on the table, uh, but they're not going to give the house because they don't feel that this is a good case. Right. And even then it'll happen sometimes that uh, you have to set that expectation. You feel that there's a little bit, you know, there's some doubt there. There's a couple of things weighing against you and you just want to make sure the homeowner understands, you know? Uh, and again, there is a moment in time when it comes in, PFS, there's fee shifting. you got to talk about those things as well. Um, if you don't set the expectation right from the onset, uh, which is why I do all my onboarding for every single one of my clients, uh, where I spend all my time in the firm is essentially negotiating, uh, talking to my adjusters, which is a lot of part of the negotiation, right? Discussing these numbers, discussing with clients. Uh, this is daily. Um and then essentially onboarding, right? Because uh, I'm the first person they talk to. I'm the one setting the expectation for my firm as the founder. Uh, I dealt with these clients for years, right? What they're going through, being empathetic about that, being able to listen to them. Uh, and then, well, you know, what I'm going to be talking about when we, you know, talk about the meetup is, is being able to provide solutions, right? Easing them some comfort, stuff like that, you know? Well, what are you going to talk about at the meetup? fire only fire but um i i really don't want to do you know typical uh attorney kind of like let's run through the statute you know this is what we do uh this is the litigation process or you know this has been a statutory change you know you know nothing crazy has happened recently uh based on my experience and i work with roofers right now i work with mitigation companies i represent them on their aobs i work with adjusters and what i want to do is give tips for the industry, like the vital, like the things I've seen that, you know, people need to pay attention to. If you don't know, right, that at that meetup, you're going to talk about it, right? You're going to ask about it. You're going to inquire. It's going to bring up some sort of conversation. Uh, and I think it's going to keep everybody interested. Um, so, you know, what do you got? What do you got? You're going to spit some fire right now, aren't you? Are you going to talk about what you're going to talk about at the meetup? I think you might as well. I want to provide value. We're only 20 minutes into this conversation, and I know Let's there's still it. a lot of people listening. Um, I've already, in, in the introduction, I'm, I've already talked about how you are the headline sponsor at our Orlando meetup, and you're going to be presenting. And uh, yeah, just drop some dimes right now. Let's hear it. What do you got? So I'm going to go through different tips for the roofers. Uh, then I'm going to talk about mitigation companies. And then, of course, public adjusters and kind of how everything intertwines. Right. And how everybody plays their role. Um, but I'm going to talk about those nuances while giving tips. So, you know, obviously, I'm going to talk to roofers just talking about, you know, just the environment. Right. And just to be prepared, how to adapt. Right. Building a network with public adjusters. You know, a law did come out. I'm not going to go into the details, but SB 76. Right. Where they want to prevent them from advertising, talking, marketing. There's an injunction right now, but you know we're getting a sense of where that environment is going. Um, so they need to be you know, very careful in terms of how they're uh, approaching these claims. I know a lot of roofers that do 
uh, help and assist, uh, you know, homeowners in their insurance case process, but they got to make sure that in no way they're acting like a public adjuster, right? And that, hey, when things get complicated, whatever the case is, you got a source to go to, somebody who's an expert that can, you know, assist. Uh, and that just stems into being in the homeowner's best interest, right? Uh, in my opinion, give a quick scenario. Let's say we got a roof leak. Water came down, affected the cabinetry. Okay, happens all the time. Now, because it got behind the cabinetry, there could even be mold, right? Roofer comes in, okay, let me sign this up, whatever it is, I'm just going for it, the roof, right? And I'm not talking about all roofers. There's a lot of roofers that are also contractors that know how to handle these things and whatever the case is, um, and are set up for this. That's another big difference. They've been in this a long time and they're ready to go through the claims process, which is not easy, okay? I've had their pitfalls, whatever the case is. Um, so essentially, water gets in, affects the cabinetry, right? You have a, a licensed public adjuster in there. What's going to happen? He's going to be going for full replacement of the kitchen, continuous texturing, painting. He's going to be able to refer you a mitigation company, right? Get a mold assessment. What happens? You might have to lock up that area because of the mold. Then we're talking ALE, right? The kitchen's gone. They, they need food reimbursement, all those things. And it all stemmed from a small roof leak that potentially a roofer got called, referred, knocked on the door, depending on what the situation is. And now homeowners just getting a roof, interest to, you know, to the homeowner, great. But are they getting fully indemnified, right? Are they going to run into issues later where there's mold in the property that they didn't notice? You know what I mean? And now they're out of an opportunity. Um, so, you know, that's something. We, people need to understand as public adjusters, we are the quarterback. We are the freaking quarterback of this claim. And it's my goal and my passion project here with the Commercial Claims Advocate is to teach and to educate other public adjusters to take this job seriously. Don't be like I was my first year where I was just going signing, signing, signing. Almost signing. every all of them. <laughs> don't say that. It's everybody. That, you know, you don't first really year, know. First year. Dude, I used to not even take photos, David. I used to not even take photos. You know what I used to say? Oh, the insurance adjuster is taking photos, so that's okay. When you realize, you learn later that your photos as a public adjuster tell a completely different story, am I right or wrong, than the insurance 100%. company's adjuster. So 100%. we're the quarterback of the claim, and you're absolutely right that we, if we even get called by a roofer to handle the claim because of roof only, and all those scenarios are happening, like the cabinets are damaged, mold damage, ALE, so on and so forth, it is my job as a public adjuster to get all those people into that, into that claim Knowing the policy limits, knowing the AOB laws, knowing what needs to be done that I know will actually get paid for because it's covered under the policy to make sure that this home is, you know, uh, mitigated correctly. And then, yeah, and then ALE is done and then everything else because let me tell you, it's a lot of responsibility sometimes. I've had some claims, dude. I mean, losing sleep. Losing, just losing sleep. Did, did I make the right call by call, by doing the mold test? Did I make the right call by ripping out those cabinets? Did I make, you know, about it. Dude, it's a lot of responsibility sure. being the quarterback of the claim. Um, but yeah, and, and uh, multiple claims. You know, that's the other thing. Every client is is a priority. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you when you have a lot of clients, uh, it, it that definitely becomes stressful. No, and it's the mold company that's calling you and saying, Vince, uh, mold test came out. Whatever, we need to rip out those cabinets. Can we rip it out? You know what I'm saying? Or it's the mitigation saying. It's wet. Uh, it's wet at the base of the of the wall. We need to do flood cuts. Are we okay to do flood cuts? And you, as a public adjuster, have to make that call because you also have to be weary of you know what I'm saying. Showing the damage to the insurance company, making insurance sure, company, of course, comply with all your the, obligations. But at the same time, you got to rip that shit out because it post policy uh, post loss obligations also say that you need to mitigate your damages. So it's like what I teach is I tell people dude, just photos. Like go ahead and rip it out, but make sure you take hundred photos of that wall before you rip it out. That's well, that's my way of doing it. And talking about the post loss obligation, that's why it's so important for roofers to understand too. You're walking into a house, right? Where even retail, what they call retail, right? Roofers. And then you have your roofers that go door to door knocking that understand the insurance claims process a little bit more, right? Um, that are set up for it's hard enough to be a good roofing company to go through the claims process, you know, be managing all that when the insurance company is trying to deter you from doing that realistically, you know, they're not, you know, you'll have your adjusters that will communicate would be, you know, be fine with it. And there's other adjusters that won't and, and you don't 
necessarily have the ability to make that negotiation or not, right? And uh, actually, an IA from an insurance company, unfortunately, dealing with a contractor, could you know somewhat ignore the request, right? Hey, look, we don't agree, and that's as simple as it gets, right? And then it needs to go from there. Um, and, and there's really no negotiating, representing that kind of should go on. But even if you're a retail roofer and you're walking in the door, it's about providing a solution. Right now, another example, walk in, homeowner doesn't have the money to do the roof, right? So you don't have a client yet, but they have a potential claim. What do you do? Recommend a mitigation company to tarp that roof, right? Find them a solution, right? Dry out those leaks. Let them know I'm here for you. And now I have somebody who will handle this from A to Z. When this is done, bring me back, right? And even as a retail roofer, it's so important to know that that opportunity is there for you. Ask about insurance claims, right? Know what's going on. Um, have a network, then all you got to do is pass it along, right? You're in their best interest. You're helping them. You know that the PA is looking for maximum possible that they can get for that homeowner under the policy provisions, right? So uh, when you provide people solutions, right, you give them peace of mind, comfort, you're gaining credibility and you're going to get that job at the end of the day. So, I, you know, regardless, uh, I feel it's really important for roofers to build that network. Transition to that PAs, we talked about this, the damage reports, man. They're an expert at the end of the day. Nobody wants to go that route, have to go to an engineer. Even for attorneys, that's a last resort. You know what I mean? That's when it gets deeper in litigation. Uh, and as a roofer, I see this every day based on the fact I work with roofing companies, I work with public adjusters, I work with roofing companies hand in hand, right? They're providing the damage report. This is taking this to another level of credibility. When they start mentioning Florida statutes, the 25% rule, which is one of the big issues, it just changes the game. You know what I mean? Uh, or Hague, if they, or, or Hag Hague. If they mention Hag or Hague, you know, how if a roof, a roof is unrepairable, failing the brittle test, you know, so on and so forth. Like I saw on Facebook just today, I'm talking one of the biggest residential roofs I've ever seen. They showed a photo of it and they got full roof replacement from one repair. One repair had to be done. And they were able to get full roof replacement on it, which is pretty impressive because some roofs are just unrepairable. And it's up to having, it's up to getting, I could say unrepairable all I want. And I may get somewhere, but I may not. If I could have a uh, certified, licensed certified roofer, licensed certified general contractor, licensed and certified, not just licensed certified, but also good Google reviews, you know, all that stuff. I can get a roofer. Hey, look, this is ABC Roofing. Look at their reviews. Look at them. They're legitimate. They're Hague certified. They're this certified. They're that certified. It's going to be tough for the insurance company to send me to hell as much as they want to. And let's say you're the client, you're the one that originated that client. What do you do? You just put the roofer in the door, right? As a public exactly. adjuster, you found yourself a solution. You just got them a client, right? And when your client gets paid, hey, look, you already have this at your disposal. And they're looking at a roofing contractor who helped them in the claims process, essentially, right? You're, th that gives them a leg up 100%. You I think know? what the roofer's worried about, Honestly, and you could give me your opinion based on having worked in the roofing industry. I think what the roofer's worried about is losing the job. I think they're worried about they're going out there door knocking and then they're referring it to a public adjuster. So I think they're worried about losing, about not getting the job ultimately. How do you feel about that? I'm going to tell you like this, uh, and, and I want to make it very clear. You are a roofer and you knock, you do insurance claims, you're having success. I do not deter you and tell you, hey, don't do something that's working, okay, for you and your business. Uh, I tell you, be in the best interest of the homeowner. When you're just a roofer, there's a lot of chances, a lot of time that you're not because you're excluding interior. If you're like some of these other roofers that are referring other contractors to go in, give estimates and all of that, and I encourage, I deal with these roofing companies all the time, public adjusters as well. They do try on their own. I'm sorry to say, but the environment in Florida uh, with insurance companies has gotten a bit adversarial. It's why we're having to go to mediations and appraisals and stuff, even as a public adjuster, why there's so much more litigation. Um, they're running into these situations where they're just paying for small repairs, right? They're not listening to the roofer. Like, oh, no, it's over 25% rule. Paying on a per shingle basis, right? Some of these insurance companies. Oh, I, I see it all the time. <laughs> so uh, those are the claims that are getting passed on. And I mean, any roofer, in my opinion, at least here in the state of Florida, that's not saying they're working with a, a public adjuster or an attorney in some capacity, uh, just can't be involved in insurance claims uh, very much, to be honest with you. So 
with the roofing thing, I just, I, I see like what you spoke about in your content Wednesday, it's all about bringing everybody together. I see so much value uh, for everyone. I, I, as an attorney defending these cases in litigation, watching roofers and PAs work together, see the end result for the homeowner, know that once the check is coming in, the roofer's coming in to do the roof, right? Then they select whatever other contractor for the interior. It, it's, it's a great thing. And a lot of the times, Vince, like, you know, sometimes you want to come in. Uh, it's not that you want to come in, but it's easier to come in on the supplemental in terms of showing your value, right? Because the roofer went in, he said he tried to do it. Oh, look, it didn't work. Now what, what has to happen, right? So it, uh, <clears throat> you're, you're able to show them the difference. And then when they talk about 20%, 15%, 10%, well, that money was never there without this licensed representative, essentially, uh, on a lot of these supplementals. So I feel like that's where the roof or the client are also very happy, right? They're like, oh, we tried. This is what it is. And now we're going to bring in an expert, right? And this is new money. So we've been discussing it. Uh, we've got, it's about six of us now, six adjusters. We, all, we, all, we also have an adjuster in Texas. And he's starting to really, he started to really connect with roofers in the Texas area. And he started to do well. And he sent me a text yesterday. He's like, he's like I'm selling passive income to them. And they're, and they're buying it, he said. And it's basically what I offer them is I'll take all your, dena- your denied, your repaired, uh, and, your under, and your underpaid claims. Like, you tried. You did what you could. And they're not budging. I'll take those. Don't even worry about it. You've got all your stuff signed with the client anyway. Let me see what I can do with this denial. Let me see what I... You've got nothing to lose. And let's, uh, and let's go for it. And if it ends up in litigation, whatever it is. But I'll tell you what, uh, David. You know, when I was also younger... Uh, in, in my career, I used to see, and this is no, I'm not, I was going to say it's no offense to you guys, but it really isn't. Um, I used to get a denial and I'd be like, oh, here, litigation. Oh, here, litigation. Now, I, since I've gotten more experience, I'll take a denial. I'll read it. And when I see it's bullshit, I'll send a letter to the carrier saying, this is why it's bullshit. You should pay this claim or else it's going to cost you much more. And guess what happens? They reverse their denials. It happens a lot. And on that note is another thing I want to talk about the Orlando meetup, right? Adjusters that are now doing their own notice of intents to litigate. I'm seeing that being very successful for them, right? Oh, you got to yeah. put some time into it. Uh, a lot of guys don't want to do it. They want the attorney to do it. Um, I, I work a little bit differently in that regard. Um, so some clients I do it for and I'm able to get them pre-suit amounts. And that's kind of what bulks them up to give me more business for the amount that's settled out. You know, I'm still you know, making my money all all day. So uh, I I like to kind of provide that, but I tell them, hey, when you're a knowledgeable PA, when you know what you're talking about, when you have teams like some of these PAs, I know that have guys who do mediations all day, right? Guys who handle appraisal, follow your own notice of intent. It It is a different department that it's going to, okay? And a different person is coming in and sometimes they got money, you know, they're going to come low ball, typical. And they got 10 days. I love it. It's fat. They got 10 days. And I'd say 60% of the time, they call me. And they're just like, let's wrap this up. <laughs> there you go. It, it's smart. It's a good business decision by them. Like, why? I love the intent to litigate. I, I and I'm going to tell you, exactly. And I'm going to tell you, as an attorney, a lot of attorneys are like, oh, I hate this. I'm about the industry, too, and about its uh, continued... Uh, you could say, you know, just movement, right? And there needs to be certain things that happen, right? To regulate or put things in order um, so that this can continue on in a fair way, you know? And I do think, hey, you give them an opportunity, you're giving them 10 days, there's certain things that are pretty strict on them, right? They're willing to negotiate a claim. That's in the best interest of the homeowner. That's That's gotta be part of this too, right? It can't just be litigate, litigate. Let's all make attorney fees on statutory fees, you know? Well- I had an attorney once tell me once, and I respected this tremendously. And he just tells me, Vince, he's like, I don't just want the case. Like, you should not, a lawsuit should not be filed unless it's absolutely necessary. necessary. A lawsuit should only be filed after all means necessary have, you know, gone. Like, you have tried every single thing. You have worked with the insurance company and, like, let's figure this out. That's the only time, he says, in his opinion, which I, I admired that. Because, you know, because... Like like the bad PAs, there's a lot of attorneys that are just like, gimme, 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 gimme. I don't care. I'll take it. And I've worked with some of those guys before, not very long. And he, this guy, 
taught me how to fill out a CRM. And I was like, I had Another never Another good been... point. I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm bringing a CRM checklist to the Orlando meetup, okay? Uh, just like I'm bringing an AOB checklist for the mitigation companies, right? And to have that for them, uh, another great tool. And it goes back to you saying, PA's got to get more serious about this, right? You can't be an, uh, a PA with no knowledge and sit in a mediation and think you're going to get what you want, right? Or be negotiating with an adjuster. Uh, a lot of these bigger firms where you're putting it on one person to do the negotiating, right? Uh, and just kind of sitting back, you know, not taking the reins on that. It's going to delay the process. It's going to delay the claim. You know what I mean? You got to say, you got to know what you're talking about and know that if you're in this for the long haul, it, it's time to start like now, right? They're giving more alternative dispute resolutions for PAs to take advantage of. Know what you're talking about. Um, find bottom lines and, and try to get there. You know what I mean? But you can, a lot of you can you can take my course and learn how to do all that stuff. By the way, no, for sure. I saw when I first when I first saw you was YouTube videos. I I referred you to. I told you my best friend Alex who does a bunch of different estimates with different adjusters. Now he does estimates for me, uh, and he's also a PA. But he has a great business uh, writing estimates. Uh, he watched your courses. That's the first thing I told him. You know, he did some training up here with me, but I'm like, hey, you want to get into the nitty gritty? YouTube right now, commercial claims advocate. I still get messages sometimes from people. They're just like, how do you think I should start? Where should I go? And I'm like, have you watched a YouTube channel? And they're like, what YouTube channel? And I'm like, and then I just send them to that. And then they're like, oh man, thanks so much. Um, what was I going to ask you? Uh, crap. I had a question. I lost my train of thought. Uh, but yes, you should definitely bring some, if you're going to bring, like you're talking about like physical checklists, like for them to yep. have. Well, we get, we, uh, everybody that RSVPs does leave their email address. Um, you know, if you want to print that stuff out, that's great. But I would probably recommend that you send everybody like some attachments. That'd be pretty cool. And that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to pop it up on the screen quick, just to let people know, right. It's all about having a procedure. That's something that uh, I advise my PAs on. I go into the office and I talk to them about, you know what I mean? In terms of if you're going to be doing these CRNs, here's a checklist. This is how you need to proceed. Uh, and on that note, another thing I'm going to talk about at the, at the meetup, it's, the documentation, right? You talk about this all the time. It's not to get in, you know, into immense detail. Uh, but one quick thing, Universal Property and Casualty sends you a freaking chunk list, right? Of 14 requests. You know what I mean? Some that have nothing to do with the claim. The RFI. Right? So annoying. Exactly. The worst. What do you nothing to what, do with the claim? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> and they have they have knowledge that there wasn't a mitigation company or whatever the case is. You know why? David, it's just, it's just a template that they send. They just oh but let's just send this. Oh, this is the this is what's next in the process. We just want to delay this more. Here, send this. So ridiculous. But you want to put yourself in the best position to succeed in a litigation on my end of it. It's you you to every single RFI, you are filing a response and you're copying and pasting that into a word document and you're putting not relevant, have, don't have, yeah. and give it back to them. That's compliance, right? When they want to talk about you're not complying with post obligations, uh, that's what the documentation is about. From the PA side, document those meaning of that post office obligation, right? Mm -hmm. And it stems into another point. That's why everybody needs to be working with competent, good mitigation companies, right? It's a solution. Mitigation companies need to be using AOBs because it holds the client harmless. Imagine being able to say, hey, look, homeowner, you have all this situation. This is a viable claim. There's a company, multiple companies, right? You refer them uh, that can come in, tarp this, dry it out, whatever the case may be, right? And find a solution. Um, and meet post off obligations, you know? And that's why the random meetup is, you know, what it is, right? I think everybody needs to make those connections, understand how everybody fits into the role, understand how AOB companies and their documentation does wonders, right? They know what they're doing behind that. Uh, so as a PA, you want to refer a competent restoration company that's using an AOB, knows how to meet the requirement, knows that the, the homeowner is going to be held harmless for that service, for that work, right? And you're able to meet those post office obligations. Uh, so I think that that's really important. You know what I mean? And on top of that, they're able to document so much, right? It's another proof of the damages, right? What's going on? You know, you have these mold assessments. You have these dry out logs, right? Can I just say, can we work something out here and get our freaking PA fee? 
paid on top of the actual build back repairs. Ooh, I like how your eyes just lit up. I thought you were going to be like, yeah, you're crazy. Okay. It's interesting though, because there's, there, there's a struggle there, right? So we probably could at some point, if they're not signing assignment of benefits and you're negotiating those amounts, because that's what happens all the time. Right. But like, I honestly am seeing it all the time now where I have restoration companies that I call, you know, piggybacking, right. On the PA's claim, right. Let's say they're coming in shrink wrapping mold. These things get expensive. And then me as an attorney, I have to also negotiate their bill. I can obviously do it exclusive of EMS, but then that they're not going to get paid and then possibly go after the homeowner right? If they don't have an AOB, they just have a direction to pay, you know? So I, I would say that I would want to stay away. I think that it's good to separate anything that has to do with the mitigation. Let them deal with all of that, right? Do their work that it's in writing on their AOB that the client is held harmless for that service. And they know how to go and recuperate from the insurance company, right? And not kind of delve into you know, the whole negotiation of the actual indemnification because it gets complicated, you know, especially when you look at some of these mitigation bills, you know. So the duties after the loss, also known as post-loss obligations, specifically say that you as the insured are required to, you know, abide by this. And it specifically says you or a representative. Myself and another public adjuster in Texas... His name is Cal Spoon. Shout out to Cal. He started this. He's like, we are going to add our, they use in Texas, they say PIA, our PIA fee to the bottom of the estimate. It's going to be a separate fee that is going to be, in Texas it's 10 here, it could be up to 20. It's going to be a separate fee that we're going to charge. Because it. when you think about it, and when I explain it to the adjusters, like the insurance adjusters, like, your job is for our job is for us to agree on an amount on what it costs to repair their home. How is it right for me to take a chunk out of that money that is supposed to be paid? Technically, technically, insurance technically the insured would be somewhat committing fraud because they're not putting all the money into the actual home. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Of course. We need our fees separate. I don't know what we can do about this. But so I'll tell you this. this. There is one way to do it, and I've seen it done before. And what it is is that there are general contractors, okay, who are also mitigation companies, right? And the PA uses their estimate. And that estimate includes all the remediation work, right? And it also includes the – and it's all one company because they're going to come in as a general contractor. Then they have – no, the separate build back, right? They have all the mold remediation there because they can do that, right? And it's all within one estimate. This is the caveat that a lot of times they don't do the work yet. So they say mold remediation needs to happen first with the same company who's going to do it all. PA is presenting that. So PA is negotiating the whole thing, right? Mitigation doesn't happen yet. We're coming right off the bat inspection and we're trying to comply, right? You don't do the, don't, don't do the work before. This is our full estimate. Let's negotiate from here. I've seen it done and the, the, the PA will get 20% of that amount as well because he did include it as a full indemnification under dwelling A. You know what I mean? And that's like you just said, it's part of the work. But the way that we present it here, right? That And again, that becomes complicated. You could do it, but the way we do it here is we separate these things, right? And the PAs have nothing to do really with what's billed and what's negotiated and essentially the mitigation company should know that, right? And should be the one to negotiate those things. Uh, because if you really do look at it, it's not like a PA is necessarily trained in mitigation, right? They do have, you know, IRC, uh, IR, IIRC certifications, all those things. They teach about billing, what should be included. So like, of course the PA can do it. I've seen it done, you know? Um, but, you know, that's why I think that they try to parse those two things out. Right, right. So... I know, but it sucks. It would be nice. I'm working on it. I have it now in all my estimates, and they yell at me every single time, and I explain to them the Do reason it. why, 
And I can't get it now, um, unless honestly, I probably unless it ends up on your desk, I probably won't have a chance of getting it on my end. But I have it in there. I'm just like sort of, uh, you know, I don't know what does the secret say? Like just act as if for a while. So I'm just like sort of like putting it in there. I'm willing to concede to it, just try to get the claim settled. But I definitely like to explain it to them. And some of the desk adjusters are just like, yeah, you know what, that makes sense. But sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah sounds so. pretty good. Anyway, David, um, I am very excited that you're coming to the meetup. Um, it's going to be killer. Uh, I think this is going to be your first one, right? Uh, yes, sir. Which I think already as of today, and this is uh, as of today, we have almost 100 people. We have about 60, 70 people or so. Definitely by the time we actually have it, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of people. Hold on a second. And what I wanted to end this podcast with was... What do you have, what's, what's on the horizon for you? That's what I always like to end a lot of my podcasts. I like to get a little personal. Uh, you don't have to talk necessarily personal, but I want, you know, also about your business and stuff. Uh, what, what's on the horizon for David Dubay? What, what do you got? What are you looking forward to? Especially now it's January. Everybody's got their New Year's resolutions. Everybody's got their dreams and goals and aspirations. What's next for David? Personally, uh, I love jujitsu. I kind of got out of that for like a little bit. Um, that's something I'm dedicating myself back to, right? Uh, that's where I, I get my sanity. I love martial arts. I did Muay Thai before. I, I, I've had two fights before. So it's, uh, you know, uh, something that that personally is something I'm trying to get back into. I love staying in shape. I know you run. I have some medals behind me. I've done triathlons and stuff like that. I used to be a swimmer. So for me personally, that's a, that's a big goal for me. Uh, I want to kind of like really peak on that in my interest as a business owner I'm blessed that things are going the way they're going. I just went to go look at another new office today, actually this morning. So, you know, we we're definitely expanding. Uh, I brought on another attorney, a new partner too, uh, who's been a litigator for 10 years, was an insurance defense for four. So I brought in that aspect right to my business uh, along with, you know, what I compliment her with. So things have been, you know, really going great in that regard. Uh, and I want to do a lot more of this, you know, a lot more podcasts, a lot more meetups, um, you know, put myself out there. But all in all, you know, uh, I'm really happy with how everything is going. And, and I'm just trying to keep keep the momentum, to be honest with you. I don't really have any new uh, business, uh, you know, goals. I, I, I surpass my, my expectations. And right now I'm just trying to focus on uh, perfecting uh, and uh, scaling. Uh, and it's all about the process for me. I, I, you know, my firm runs on action items, by the way, I use claims wizard. I've refined wow. claims wizard to be for attorneys. If you've seen all these little changes going on and stuff, you know, that's me talking directly to them. Uh, and I've made, you know, it work for us. They have certain action items. Right. And, uh, my whole litigation process is systematically done it has due dates you know uh, in terms of follow-ups and the way things work everything is on timing and about putting pressure uh in the litigation process right so uh, that's what i'm refining and constantly working into it adding new action items and making sure that there's no gaps right that you know certain cases don't slip through the cracks uh when the 10 business days are up right when i'm the one filing the notice of intent boom complaints going out you know what i mean so in that regard, it's just about growing, man, making more connections with guys like you, you know? Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, like I said, I'm very happy that I've met you. Uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast. And I think thank we're going to have a killer event. It's going to be phenomenal. Tell people where they could find you, and then we'll close this thing out. Uh, well, you can find us at thelogicalfirm.com. It's L-A-W-G-I-C-A-L. It's a little play on words there. Uh uh, office number is 407-433-4131, and we're out here in Orlando, but we work the whole state of Florida. Awesome. David, thanks again for coming on, and uh, I'll great, see you man. Friday. See you Friday.